Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. We're still in self-isolation, but don't you worry, we've still got a bumper podcast ahead of you. And I'm delighted to be joined again this week by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello. And by Don Booth. Good morning. And uh, today's podcast special, should we say, is on the subject of summer transfers. I mean, I use the word summer loosely there. No one quite knows what's going to happen in regards to the window ahead. There's a UEFA meeting later this week, which should uh, give us more guidance on all that. But transfers are still heavily popular amongst United fans. And this week has been no different. A lot of key names been linked with a move to Old Trafford. And we'll try and go through the top stories sort of one by one this week. And I think... The place to start is probably in North London. Harry Kane this week uh, caused quite the stir in uh, in Tottenham when he said that he he loves Spurs. He'll always love Spurs. He's an ambitious player. And it all depends on what happens with the team. He might leave. He's not going to stay at Tottenham for the sake of it. United have been linked with a move. Uh, Samuel, could you actually ever see United moving for a player like Harry Kane? I could see them moving for him if the circumstances were right. I don't think the circumstances in the summer are right. I think... Even next year, it's difficult to foresee something like that happening purely because of Daniel Levy. Um, United haven't signed a player from Tottenham since Berbatov in 2008, and they have been interested in a number of Tottenham players since then. I think Mourinho, towards the end of his time at United, even went on this long... Um, uh, long owed, if you like, to Daniel Levy and Tottenham about how fantastic it is that they never sell their best players. They only sell the players they want to sell. I mean, Kyle Walker is, is probably the one blotch on, on Pochettino's copybook from his time at Spurs in that even though he deemed Walker to not be quite right for what he wanted anymore, Walker's gone on and had great success at Manchester City and let's face it he he is and and was at the time a better right back than Kieran Trippier and Tottenham have had all sorts of problems at right back this season as well where Kane's concerned he's he's a player United have, have liked for a long long time he's a player who kind of transcends the managers Van Gaal Mourinho Solskjaer they all like him how could you not like him as a as a striker really I think any elite club out there um who you know who who have the cash who could have the cash to sign someone like Kane would obviously be interested and I think where United are concerned the problem I guess we have or, or maybe it's not a problem is that where United have made it clear that they draft up these long lists of 804 players per position anyone pretty much out there if you're a, if you're a living breathing footballer who is a professional uh, the chances are you are in some way or form a united target particularly if you're playing at the top end so of course there's bound to be interest in kane especially when he comes out and says what he did at the weekend um i know some people have uh, you know taken exception to what he said given the current situation in the world when a player goes public in terms of playing you know get a game of brinkmanship um it, it can look you know i think a lot of people have seen that as quite a tawdry tactic but from a selfish journalistic perspective it has at least given us something to write about and from Tottenham's perspective there's no perfect time for a player to come out and say that they would be open to leaving um but from United's perspective there are far more attainable and immediate targets to go out there and get like Jack Grealish or Jadon Sancho or James Madison they're not going to sign all three of those players but all three of those players are far more attainable um this summer than someone like Harry Kane who I think he's contracted Spurs until 2024 when you look at the actual quote, he says, it's one of those things I've always said, if I don't feel like we're progressing as a team or going in the right direction, I'm not somewhere to stay there just for the sake of it. 
Dom, do you feel the current project at United is one which is more sellable than what's going on at Spurs at the moment under Jose Mourinho? Uh, yeah, I think in many ways, yes, it is, because I think uh, what United are doing seems to have more of a sort of an upward trajectory than than Spurs obviously have had a difficult season with a change of manager uh, obviously United as it stands at the time of, of the uh, suspension of the league are only I think four points ahead of Spurs in the league in three places so it doesn't look like a hugely big step up but then how many of the teams you'd put above United would uh, would Kane get into you may well say every one of them, but I was looking at what Liverpool fans were saying about Harry Kane on social media yesterday, and they're not particularly keen on him. I'm not particularly sure why that is, because I think most teams should want a goal scorer like Kane. And I think it would appeal to him if the likes of Sancho and Grealish were to go there as well. I know that's asking a lot for United to spend that kind of money on all those three players, but with you factoring Rashford as well... The fact that Bruno Fernandes is now on the scene and has a good relationship with uh, with strikers at the club is an attractive proposition for Kane. His only other option is to go abroad, which you sometimes wonder with uh, with with domestic English based players whether they want to go abroad. So, yeah, I think it it would be an interesting one. Uh, although I accept what Samuel said about how tough it could be to negotiate a fee. When you actually look at uh... The United side, though, and then we spoke about this on last week's podcast. On we mentioned players who are sort of specialists in their position, as opposed to versatile options. And if you look at the United front line now, it's a very versatile. Every player can play in every position. Do you can you see Solskjaer going for an out and out striker this summer, or do you think he will go for that versatile forward? Yeah, we just spoke about this. I thought it was an interesting one that Igalo has come in as that specialist number nine forward, and Solskjaer clearly likes him. He spoke about having a, I wanted to have a striker who breaks his nose when he scores a goal and someone who's going to score scruffy goals that don't maybe look good. And he said that United weren't scoring enough of those type of goals early on in the season with uh, with obviously Rashford and Martial floating around into deeper positions and out wide. So Kane would be the ultimate um, number nine, even though he can drop deep and link the play. So it'd be interesting. I think Solskjaer will obviously like Harry Kane as a player. There's no doubt there. So... I think watch this space. If it's not Harry Kane, I do see him going for another um, number nine forward. Samuel, you said that uh, you thanked Harry Kane for giving him something to write about uh, this week. Um, you probably weren't expecting the same from Jack Grealish this week. Um, he's stupid. He's made the headlines. Uh, he's issued his apology after the incident which involved him uh, embarrassing himself. Uh, it's not the behaviour you'd want from a United transfer target, is it? No, it's a terrible look. Uh, and that's just him saying until this is all boiled over rather than blown over I mean that that was it, it, he, he really just could not dig the hole any deeper with just about everything he did over that and unfortunately it's if you say you said a footballer has done this can you guess who it is a lot of people would not even need a list of players to guess who it could be a lot of them would just say probably Jack Grealish because we're all aware of that time when he was sprawled across the road in Tenerife and when he went out drinking after getting trounced by I think it was Manchester City uh, when Remy Gard was Aston Villa manager which sounds like an absolute lifetime ago um he, he's clearly grown up in some senses but that was I mean the, you just had to look at his footwear to know that Something has gone badly wrong here, and there's there's an issue there that he's probably going to have to to deal with in his in his personal life without wanting to get into it too much. And United have been very very transparent in setting out this 
character criteria they want from players from transfer targets about being humble and respectful off the pitch and being arrogant when you pull the shirt on and you cross the white line now Grealish is definitely arrogant as a footballer and that makes him such a brilliant player to watch but he also feels as though he's indestructible um, when he's off the pitch and he's got that arrogance there as well and that's always going to rub people up the wrong way where regardless of whether the country's in lockdown or not. There have been too many incidents like that. Uh, And United will have done their due diligence on Grealish. They'll have been aware of that. And obviously, I think from their perspective, they'd have probably hoped that he was past all this now. But for for him to be minding this, it's going to lead to some very awkward questions if or when he does end up a United player. Um, I don't think this is necessarily the kind of... um, act of stupidity that suddenly jeopardises a transfer to United. I think United have been, you know, they're, they're not a long way down the road with Villa regarding Grealish, but they've certainly, you know, tried to get that deal done as quickly as possible, though that's now complicated by football being suspended um, and the uncertainty over the transfer window. But it is one of those moments that does make you, you know, think twice about should we actually go for this player is there another player who you know, the, the fullback option would he be more suitable I mean Madison and Grealish are remarkably um, similar in just about every way uh, I think there's only about a one year age gap between them they've scored exactly the same amount of goals this season they operate in the same way in that they're playmakers who can play from the left um, they're, you know Madison's played for England Grealish wants to play for England uh, and they've also you know had a couple of transgressions off the pitch I think Madison's was far more forgivable you know turning up in a casino on a night he was too unwell to play for England than some of the things Grealish has got himself involved in Uh, and as I said I think there is a fine line in that that arrogance can be the making of a player but it's how you master that balance and I think Fernandez, at the risk of you know continuing at the risk of overhyping him, if anything. Um, he has got an arrogance about him, but you can also see that humble side to him um, when when he is playing and when he's not playing. And he seems to have mastered that character uh, criteria that, um, that United want from new players. And Grealish, unfortunately, has got a long, long way to go uh, from coming near that. Yeah, you said that, but uh, you know, it might not necessarily rule out the uh, the sell move altogether. But I guess from Grealish's point of view, he'd rather the football comes back as soon as possible so he can let his his feet do the talking again. But Don, how do you feel about these these Grealish rumours after that's uh, after that's all come out? Because like Samuel said, it doesn't necessarily mean that United wouldn't go for him this summer. But do you not think that's a, a big warning sign to say stay away? Yeah, I wrote in a piece this morning that it does give United a decision to make. I, I understand why they are still interested in Grealish and why they why all the factors are making a you know an attractive transfer target. But like Samuel says, there is Madison there in the background. There are other players out there. You don't have to you don't have to stick rigidly to to a player just because you've earmarked him and because he's he's impressed in the Premier League in the past season. Yeah, that's fine. Um, there is a reason why. Um, he hasn't made a move before now when maybe he was linked with a, uh, obviously he was linked with a Tottenham move, wasn't he, uh, very heavily a few years ago. And dare I say other clubs may be, may be considering Grealish's character. When you look at something that Marcus Rashford has done this week with his help for um, the local charity and coming out on, on BBC Breakfast and impressing everyone with his attitude and being a role model for people, then you see Grealish do something like this with a... Uh, 
with a car incident and breaking social distancing rules and all these things that footballers surely must have an awareness of in these times. There's barely been anyone else who's who sort of tread trodden the wrong side of the line, if you like. So yeah, I'm, I like Grealish as a player a heck of a lot. Um, he scored a fantastic goal at Old Trafford, didn't he, in December in that two-two draw with Villa. I just wonder whether there are there are a lot of playmakers out there, a lot of people who could still improve United's squad other than Jack Grealish, who maybe might be a better fit in terms of character. Uh, it's one for it's one for Solskjaer to decide whether to take that risk, I guess. Who would be your first choice right now if you could buy one attack and mid for United? Put me on the spot now, won't you? Um, yeah. yeah, I like Madison. I've liked Madison all season, so I'd, I'd stick. I'd stick with him. I, I I thought that he was probably a better shout than Grealish, even even a, a month or two ago. So I'd I'd stick with Madison. Samuel, do you agree with that? Madison, your uh, number yeah, one. Yeah, I'd have. I'd have. I've always really liked Grealish as a footballer, but um, I think Madison is. He's the fact that he's a little bit young doesn't make a lot of difference, but I think he's more Premier League proven than Grealish in that he has done it two seasons running. I thought he was unfortunate not to play for England last season. Um, but it, on Grealish, I mean, speaking to an agent this week and you know, just checking in what they're actually doing now, given that some agents, are, there's, there's not a lot of transfer activity or contracts to negotiate. And they said that it, even though it's, it's quiet, they are, you know, a way to buy the, you know, pass the time is to look after their clients properly um, and being on top of the players. And they did actually say one of the issues they have to, or one of the things they do have to constantly ram home to them is to remind them to stay at home. Um, now with Creelish, uh, he's, 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 his agent, uh, Jonathan, is Jonathan Barnett of the Stella Group, who's a very experienced agent, has been you know around the game for a long, long time. Uh, you would have thought he'd have got a hold on Grealish um, and, and told him to, to knuckle down a bit more because he's got, you know, I mean, Gareth Bale is his um, agent. And let's let's face it, Rich, I know you love Gareth Bale, but there's probably not, there is probably not a more boring footballer on the planet than Gareth <laughs> oh, Bale. Ben Davis. There's a lot in that uh, Wales team. It'll give you a run for his money. <laughs> and... As, as bad as that is in terms of when you want to speak to someone and as how, I mean, it was horrific when, what was it, Bale said last year about he doesn't know what the result of Brexit was or who the Prime Minister was. It was something like that. It was something like just utterly alarming. Um, there was something professional about him and that has taken him far in the game and Grealish has probably got to be a little bit more boring. And the irony of that is that from for, for, for us guys, you know, we, we want characters, you want personalities. And here we are preaching that footballers should be boring. We don't want all footballers to be boring. But again, there's got to be a, a, a balance that they master there. And unfortunately for Grealish, he just hasn't done that yet. And he's not that young anymore either. I think he turns 25 this year. Yeah. Uh, talking of summer transfers, Darwin, the weekly shout out for Jaden Sancho, the, uh, the latest rumours saying that now Liverpool have cooled their interest as much. It seems like United will have a very good opportunity to, to make an approach for him when the window finally opens. But Dortmund said at the weekend, you know, that they're not going to accept any less than their market value that they've got for him. It's going to take probably a club record fee to get Sancho to the club. You'd expect it to be nine figures. Can you really see Sancho? I mean, you mentioned earlier then that if you buy Sancho, you might not have the leverage or the finances to then buy anyone else. Do you think Sancho is good enough to be that one signing for United maybe this summer and then you've got to see what you've got with your remaining transfer budget then? Uh, in a word, yes. And I think he should be the priority over almost anyone else in any other position because of his age, his talent. Uh, I think 
it would be a big, big statement for United to make to other clubs as well if they were to land Sancho because there's absolutely no doubt that some of the biggest clubs in, in Europe are interested in, in him. Just turned 20 years old. His record in the Bundesliga the last couple of seasons is absolutely outstanding. And it would just be a perfect tra- signing in terms of a position as well because United haven't had a right winger, a, a proper right winger for a good number of years. I think on the last podcast you said since Nani. And I wouldn't really call him a genuine right wing. He's probably better on the left anyway. So it would tick so many boxes for me. And in terms of Solskjaer's transfer policy as well, wanting young, home, homegrown, if you like, English talent, um, someone who worked well with Rashford, it, we've seen that with, from their social media exchanges. They're quite public about their about their friendship. And I, I think they, they would dovetail well on the pitch as well, as they've done for England. So if you were to sort of say you can only have one of these, the, the money is tight. Not that we're saying that is the case, but if you were to, to put that in place and you'd say Sancho should be the priority. And I think United view him very, very highly on their list of priorities. And I think they're quietly confident that they can land him and, and send that statement. Samuel, it's been said a lot in terms of United's pursuit of Sancho depends solely on maybe Champions League qualification. Obviously, with the uncertainty of the season, do you think even if United missed out on Champions League football, not maybe through their own doing, but do you think there's been enough progress in the last couple of months that Sancho would still move to United even if they weren't in the Champions League? Possibly. I mean, that's a, that's a very difficult question to uh, to answer. The, the, as it stands at the moment, I mean, I think one of the good things for United amid this this news blackout, if you like, um, is that there were no fires to put out. They were on a uh, well, they still are on an eleven game unbeaten run. They've beaten City twice, and that's spell beaten Chelsea things were very much on the up and up they're on an upward trajectory uh the signings are done really well it's there are just so many nuances with um players futures and player situations because of the current situation in the world that is going to have an impact um however big or small and that's that's still the same with Sancho you don't know what's going to happen with the, the transfer window I mean obviously it is still going to be open at some stage um, but goodness knows what can happen between now and then so it's a really tricky one uh, to answer I think from from what I've been told I mean he, he was always quite keen on coming back to Manchester um, and, and back to England relatively quickly and that was that was even before I think the whole Dortmund deal was, was finalised and United were trying to signing back then um, from City. I think City pretty much pulled out all the salt and sure that Sancho wouldn't end up at a rival because Tottenham were also looking uh, to do something there. So Dortmund coming in kind of reprieved them. Uh, so that long-standing interest possibly holds some sway. They've, you know, they, so that's going back probably the best part of three years with Sancho and United. Um, I think the last right wing United sign would have been Wilfred Zaha. Probably, um, yeah, out, out, you'd have to say, you know. So it's it's remarkable they've gone that long without um, acquiring a player who, who, you know, fits into that role. I, I think Mourinho had uh, certainly wanted Mkhitaryan to to occupy that role, but it was pretty clear as soon as Mkhitaryan came in that he wasn't going to thrive as a right wing, and Mkhitaryan himself always saw himself as a number ten as well. Um, but certainly, you know, Solskjaer seems to have got a stranglehold in terms of Manchester United at the risk of looking at it too short term, because although 11 games is a considerable run, it's, you know, we are veering dangerously into the, the territory of the 14 wins and 17 games when he was caretaker manager. Uh, so there are a lot of caveats, there are a lot of nuances going with it. I think they are a lot, they're 
I mean, at the time of writing, they are a much better sell to a player than they would have been to Sancho last year. I just think at that time, players like Sancho and Delit, it just wasn't going to happen because United had a terrible end to the season. They'd been relegated to the Europa League. They were trophyless. There were other clubs out there who were much more sellable to these players, certainly in Delit's case. In Sancho's case, he was only into his second season with Dortmund anyway, so it would have probably been too premature if he were to have made the move at that time, unless United were more sellable and on the up and up and in the Champions League. Um, so again, that's that's just an example of, of the nuances of it. That if United you know, don't get in the Champions League at the end of this season, um, you would still say that there's every chance that Sancho won't, um, won't be going to them. And there are more competitors for them uh, for Sancho than there were last year, where they certainly were looking to do something, but then obviously it didn't materialise in the end. Um, but it, from, I mean, with with Sancho's contract now at Dortmund, he said it all that at the weekend. Dortmund pretty much said that yeah, he's he's available, um, he's he's up for sale if you meet this price. Because when a player gets to the last two years of their contract, the pressure is all on the club to get as good a deal as possible because that resale value is dwindling. I'd, I'd, I'd even argue that although over the last year Sancho has got better, his resale value has actually gone down purely because of the length of the contract. You mentioned Delit there as well. Uh, like you said before as well, 804 right-backs scouted. It's obvious that Matthias Delit would be a centre-back of United's interest if he became available uh, this summer. But having only had one year, Juventus, the uh, the report suggesting that United could be interested in Delit if he was uh, told to to leave at the end of the summer. Obviously, United would be interested if Delit became available. But Dom Samuel, I can't see this happening at all. Can you? I don't think Delit's a write-off after one year in Italy and the recent game against Inter. He he did start in despite all the issues he's had, the mistakes he's made, being dropped um, at the turn of the year. Uh, he did still start in that game. I know Chiellini had just come back from his um, from his cruciate ligament injury, but you would still say, given the ages of Chiellini and Bonucci, that Delit will still come good at Juventus. He's yeah, okay, he's had to adjust to things, but I think that's the case with a lot of young players when they make a big move um, to certainly to a new country and a new league. There is always likely to be a period of adjustment, and Dilit's no different. And in fairness to Juventus, even though Inter have really pushed them hard this season, they're starting to possibly pull away from them or, or were pulling away from them. Um, I just suspect with with this, with the way that the story came out, that there is probably a hidden agenda there with Raiola regarding, unsurprisingly, Pogba. Um, I mean, the, the, the hilarious thing I find is that Raiola went all hot and heavy at the start of the year saying um, how there's no sporting project United. I'm not taking any of my clients there. They'd ruin Pele, Maradona, Maldini. And then... He's gone to um, an outlet who he's had quite a cosy relationship with in the past um, to put this story out there, which is, you know, completely legitimate. As I said, you know, United should be interested in Delit if he were to become available. But, you, I mean, you just think, what 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 must Delit be thinking if this story comes out this way? I mean, he's, he's, he's clearly quite a a bright young lad and he's got people around him who are looking out for things like this even I mean there's a player at United who is I'd say he's peripheral at the moment but he has his own media team looking out 
for what's being written about him, whether it's a player rating or a story or an opinion piece. So you'd think someone like Matthias De Ligt, who's one of the best young defenders in the world, will have people informing him of what is being written about him. Um, I think De Ligt even spoke about the whole, you know, United were told not to go for him because he's, you know, there were reservations over his physicality. So he's aware of these things that get written. And it's just as well he can't talk at the moment or there aren't any journalists around to ask him, what do you make of this and how this has come out? Because this part of him must be pretty angry about it or should be angry about it if I was him, uh, purely because of the way it's come out. Um, and just, you know, there just seems to be an, you know, an ulterior motive there for Raiola concerning Pogba, whether it's a swap deal, whether it's getting back to Juventus somewhere or another. Um, Juventus, I don't think I've got the funds to get Pogba back without having to have some sweetener involved in it. Um, and also, what does it say about Raiola? I mean, this was a guy who promised Pogba three years in Manchester and then you'll go to Spain. He tried to make that happen last year. It didn't happen. Um, I think he's been spending more time talking about United than he has been talking to some of his clients uh, this season. So you wonder, is he starting to lose his touch? Is he starting to get desperate? Again, there are so many subplots to this one um but ultimately in answer to your question no i, I really do not see delit ending up at united even though there is a, a decent case to be made that they could do with another center-back yeah it's good to go to you Dom, on that one that in terms of the center-backs uh united do already have maybe quite a an overload in that position but someone like delit you'd have to make the exception for wouldn't you because him and Maguire sounds like a a real partnership that could challenge anyone in, in world football. Yeah, you would, but I think it was the understanding when United paid eighty million for Harry Maguire last summer that they weren't going to look at centre backs as a priority after that. And it's hardly been like United's defence has been poor, um, especially of late with nine clean sheets in the last eleven. I think Vitz Lindelof is is quite underrated at times by United fans, although he, he's not had his best season. Eric Bailly is obviously back from injury and, and has been excellent when he when we've seen him and obviously he's one that United fans rave about and then you've got Chris Smalling to factor in potentially coming back Axel Tuanzebe coming through and just, my heart sinks every time I see a a Koulibaly transfer story from the from some Italian news outlet or something like that I, I just don't see that and I sort of feel the same way about De Ligt although like you say he's obviously a class act and still very very young and lots of lots of clubs would want him you just wonder whether this is the, this is just the wrong the wrong player at the wrong time and that united will will definitely look elsewhere like samuel says for for all those multitude of reasons so as it stands now we're recording this on the 1st of april who what position do you think is united if united can sign one player this summer in one position who would you go for and why both of you, please. I've already said it, and I'll say again, I think Sancho on the right wing, because I just think that is a missing piece of the attacking puzzle as it stands. And as United currently line up, you've got either James or Greenwood or someone slotting into a position which maybe isn't their most natural, and, and Sancho would be a complete a world-class front four as, as it currently stands, even before Grealish or anybody else would come in. I, I'd agree. Um, uh, yeah. uh, you know, at the risk of just you know, going, going along following the trend, but I think... A, the front three of Rashford, Marshall and Sancho is is potentially world class. And I think that's another reason why United aren't, you know, certainly they don't, they've not dropped everything to, you know, go all out for Harry Kane now. I think Harry Kane would probably like United to be a bit more interested in him than, than they are. But ultimately, there are more attainable and immediate targets out there like Grealish and, and Sancho. Um, and OK, you know, there have been periods this season where Marshall hasn't, 
absolutely convinced as number nine. But since the um, the winter break, he's he's really come good in terms of his goal scoring. I know his performance level can can be really low at times during games, but he's scored some very important goals. I think he's got four in his last five starts. Rashford. I mean, he was he was the talisman until he he got injured, and he was on course for possibly a thirty goal season. Um, you've got Greenwood as well, who is is going to be a hell of a player. I think um, I think this, he's got every attribute going to be an excellent player for United for a long, long time. So it, it would make sense bringing Sancho in, and I think the interesting thing with Grealish, and I think partly why Grealish is probably been bumped ahead of Madison is that there's a possibility that United can get a cheaper deal for Grealish than Madison. You look at Madison, you think he's probably given the length of his contract, which I think he's got three more years to run than his stock and the way his season has gone. You're probably talking about an £80 million player there. Now, Grealish, if Villa were to stay up, could also be seen as an £80 million player. But if Villa go down, given they flirting with financial disaster anyway and they had a very very um extravagant summer as well in the transfer market there was no way that they're going to be able to command 80 or million pounds um for Grealish so there is the possibility that United could do a cheaper deal for Grealish and by that point if you're paying just over 100 million for Sancho and you know, say 50 million for Grealish that is just about doable um even though it is, you know, they would be two budget-blown signings. But if you're then able to ship out the players that you don't want for, for decent fees, um, and I would include, I know United might not say they don't want Pogba, but I'd include getting rid of Pogba as well because you generate an awful lot of revenue for his transfer fee alone. Then you've got the funds available to possibly go out and get a central midfielder, which I'd still say United would, would need regardless of whether Pogba stays or goes. Yeah, it still could be a very promising transfer window ahead. Uh, these next couple of weeks, we'll probably have even more transfer news to bring you. But, uh, Dom, this week you've uh, spiced things up a bit different. You've not gone for nostalgia. You've not gone for transfers. You spoke to Craig Kafka at Watford. How, how was that? Uh, I guess it was nostalgia in a way because I, I was looking... I was asking him about his time at United and what it was like to deal with people like Ferguson and his impressions of Solskjaer when he, he worked with him. Because I think Cathcart was, uh, he actually played in the reserves alongside Solskjaer when um, Solskjaer was coming back from injury in his later time as a player at United. And then he played under him as reserves manager. So I asked him a little bit about that. Um, he sort of spoke quite well about how Solskjaer looked to be a good reader of the game looked to be someone who studied football and who knew had a future in coaching all the way back then um obviously i think what Cathcart didn't say and what is clear that Solskjaer has improved as a coach even in his time uh, as united manager in the last year or so um, but i also spoke to him about um about playing against bruno fernandes because he was in that watford team who um played against Fernandes when he scored his first goal for United from the penalty spot and I think was was clear man of the match at Old Trafford that day and Cathcart uh, who is a boyhood United fan and all his family are, are, are United fans through and through he was very very impressed and thinks that um, Fernandes is, is taking United in the right direction so yeah it was an interesting chat he also um, smiled when I asked him about the 3-0 win over Liverpool that Watford got just before the uh, the suspension hit and ending their unbeaten run and he, he said with a smile how sweet it was to, to end Jurgen Klopp's um, quest for an unbeaten season so that was nice 
was this a Skype chat? This was this just over over phone, so it was just a. I didn't I didn't get to quite see his face, but he did sound a laugh when I started asking that question. So I think he he enjoyed that moment probably more than any others with Watford this season because obviously it's been a tough one for them. He also listed a lid on what they're doing during the lockdown and how they're using the Zoom app to um, to all train together, albeit in their own isolation chambers, if you like. So that was quite interesting. Did everyone see that uh, the Tottenham Zoom? Was it Zoom training with Tottenham yesterday? Jason Mourinho's speech. God, that was good. No, it's like on the go to Twitter and, and, and search for it. It's like something from an action film. Jason Mourinho rallying the Tottenham troops <laughs> of a conference call. Tell them to go to their gardens if they've got one. It's fantastic. I really would. Uh, would probably heed his advice as well. Uh, I'm guessing both of you have a lot of uh, Sunderland football to watch later today. Heck of a lot. Yes, yes. I think I think that that has potential going off the trailer, and uh, it seems it seems a little bit more office. Uh, UK office anyway I'm sure a lot of people have seen the US version but it, it seems to have a more of an office style uh, character coming into this one or, or certainly a bit of the thick of it so at least that's going to uh, get us by for well certainly the evening if you binge it all more Chris Coleman style uh, rants at fans outside the stadium maybe I hope so uh, on, on the office UK or US which one are you both talking if you could choose one UK for me all the way it has to just be UK for me because I've never watched the US one, but I do want to. I think that's that's on one of the streaming services. Yeah, I think it used to be on Netflix, the US one, but then they took it off and put it on, I don't know where to put it. I think it the source in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm too there. much of a Ricky Gervais fan to even consider watching the, the US one. Really? Ooh, see, I might give it a go. There's, there's a lot of it, though, isn't there? There's bulk. Well, maybe we should have this conversation off air. Who knows? Or maybe we'll carry it on. And maybe we can have a new podcast where we all watch the US office from start to finish and give our own director's commentary over it. It might be good. Any content's good content. Yeah, that's my that's my approach. And watch this space because we will be scraping barrels on this podcast, maybe. <laughs> Producer Ash has his way. Let's wait and see. Um, Samuel, Dom, thank you very much for listen, uh, for joining me and listening. Thanks for you did listen. Thank you. Um, yeah, like I said, we will be back over the coming weeks. There might be a few different podcasts as well. Please do let us know any ideas or any topics you'd like us to cover in the coming weeks. We'll carry on doing this one where we talk about the latest United news transfers, etc. But if you want any specials, any things in particular looked at, please do drop us a message. Of course, we've got the Manchester's Red Facebook page as well. So once again, thank you very much for listening. Please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you again next time.